So I want to... <laughs> Um, there are more of these on YouTube if you want to find them after the sermon. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I want to begin by apologizing for subjecting you to yet another campaign commercial. You thought you would be safe in church. Little did you know. Hopefully that was a little more enjoyable than some of the other things you've been seeing lately. Uh, so one of the things that bothers me about politicians is how politicians very often will say one thing and then do another. Democrats, Republicans alike, so often what we hear on the campaign trail, what we hear in campaign ads is very different than what happens after an election. And if you're like me, that's frustrating. It's frustrating that politicians don't follow through with what they promise. But there's a lesson to be learned there, a lesson for us, the lesson that all of us, even if we're not politicians, we need to follow through with the things that we say we'll do. Follow through is important. Now, politicians are frustrating. It's easy to make fun of them. It's easy to rake them over the coals for not following through. But what about us? What about you? How do you do it follow through? It's March, it's probably the good, good time to ask this. How are you doing with your New Year's resolutions? You guys going to the gym as much as you said you would this year? That diet still going? Are you as active in your church as you said you'd be? Did you make it through Leviticus in your yearly Bible reading plan? It's hard to follow through. It's difficult. We've got things that go on in our lives. But we still need to follow through. Or at least that seems to be what Jesus is saying in the parable that we're going to be looking at this morning. Here at Rooftop, we're in the midst of a series called True Story, where each week we're looking at a parable of Jesus and the life-changing truths that they have for us. Now, at Rooftop, we're all about Jesus. We want to get to know him better. That's our goal, to better know and experience the unique Son of God who lived and died and rose again for us. And to do that, we think that we should look at what Jesus said. When Jesus was on earth, he spoke a lot in parables, these often short, little, pithy statements and stories that tell us something about God and life. And in the parable that we're going to be looking at this morning, which is a parable called the parable of the two sons, Jesus has a lot to say about following through. Now, before we get to this parable, uh, a little bit of setup for you. Throughout the Gospels, throughout the stories of Jesus' life, Jesus found himself in opposition to the religious leaders of the day. There was a lot of conflict here. And in the part of Matthew, right before our parable, Jesus and his uh, contemporaries, his, the religious leaders of the day, they are having a conflict over the authority of Jesus, over whether they should listen to what Jesus says about who he is. And kind of in response to this conversation, Jesus delivers three parables. And our parable this morning is the first of those. So follow along as I read our true story, which comes from Matthew chapter 21. What do you think? A man had two sons, 
And he went to the first, and he said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, I will not. But afterwards, he changed his mind and went. And the father, he went to the other son, and he said the same. And that son answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Now, which of the two sons did the will of his father? The religious leader said, the first. And so Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your mind and believe him. All right, so this is a reasonably short, reasonably straightforward parable. And if this sounds maybe vaguely familiar to you, uh, we actually read this parable as part of our Lent Bible challenge this week. So maybe you were reading along with us and saw it there. But the parable's pretty, pretty basic. There's a father. He has two sons. He asks both of them to go work in his vineyard. One son says, nope. And then later thinks better of it and ends up doing what his father asked. And the other son says, yeah, sure, dad, I'll do this, but then doesn't follow through. And Jesus uses this parable very pointedly to talk about the necessity of following through. For the religious leaders of his day, very specifically, it's not enough to just say you're following God. You actually have to live in a way that's consistent with following God. This parable is a bit like Jesus saying, for our context, something like this. There was once a voter who had to make a decision between two candidates, and he asked both candidates to help him get better access to health care. The first candidate said, no way, Jose, get it yourself, but then later thought better of it and decided to work towards health care reform. But the second candidate said, absolutely, whatever helps get me elected. But then after he was elected, he forgot all about the voter. Now, which, vote, which candidate did what the voter wanted? The first. That's the sort of scenario that Jesus is laying out here. Right? It's a pretty easy question, but it's a little bit of a gotcha question. Because it's obvious that it's the first son who's doing what is asked of him. But then, and this is the twist in our story, Jesus takes that answer and he turns it back on the people who are doing the answering. He says to the religious leaders, yes, that's right, it's the first son. So why aren't you like the first son? Why aren't you listening to the message that you've been given by prophets like John the Baptist? Prostitutes and tax collectors, people with loose morals, people who literally steal from other people, They've heard the message. They get it. Sure, they didn't start off great, but they're starting to listen to their dad. You, religious leaders, who should know better, why aren't you doing what you say you'll do? Why are you acting like the second son? That's what Jesus is saying. And as he says this, as Jesus delivers this message to the religious leaders of his day and to the religious people of our day, that's all of us, his message is pretty clear. Doing matters more than saying. Doing matters more than saying. You have to follow through with the thing you say you're going to do. 
True obedience isn't just talking about something, it's actually doing the thing you're talking about. This is true in life, and this is really and especially true when it comes to following God. It's not enough to just say, oh, I follow Jesus, and have an idea about that. You actually have to live it out. That's what Jesus is saying. Doing matters more than saying. Now, last week, Pastor Matt talked about the parable of the shrewd manager and how that's not his favorite parable. Well, this isn't my least favorite parable, uh, but it is a parable I've struggled with. It's a parable I've struggled not necessarily to understand, but to practice, to follow through on. In fact, I remember the first time I really ever heard this parable. My family had just moved to northern Indiana, and with a move came a new house, and I'm the oldest of five kids. A new house meant lots of new chores and new chore assignments. And uh, mom and dad tried something different this time around. They said, hey, here are your chores here, but here are these other things that you can do to make more money throughout the week. Things like doing a load of laundry or ironing dad's shirts, things like that. And so me, I was very gung-ho. Yes, extra money, cool. Mom, I will do an extra load of laundry this week. Mom, I'm going to iron some of dad's shirts this week. I would say this constantly. And then the week would get on and I would go do my own thing. Now, my brother Sam, who very wisely did not speak up at the beginning of the week, and who would almost never promise to do any of these things, he, as the week went on, would sometimes, ah, I'll do some laundry. Oh, I'll I'll iron some clothes. Now, after several weeks of Sam not saying but doing and me saying but not doing, my mom sat me down and read me the first part of this parable. (laughs) You can see where this is going. Uh, And she asked me this question, Jacob, Jacob, which son do you think did the will of his father? And I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. Well, obviously the first son, mom. And then mom read the rest of the parable and explained it to me. And I slowly realized I was toast. I was done. Kudos to my mom for a moment of Jesus-inspired parenting brilliance here. But as I realized what was going on, I was devastated. I don't want to be the bad guy in a parable. I didn't want to be like the religious leaders. I didn't want to be a Pharisee. I've heard that song. They're not fair. I didn't want to be a person who was known for not following through on what I said I was going to do. And I began to understand a little bit better the message of this parable, that doing matters more than saying. Now you, insert yourself into this parable. Which son are you? Which son do you want to be? It's natural and it's easy for us to be like, oh, we want to be the first son. But, and I want to be very clear here. The first son isn't that great either. Both kids are not doing what their, parents, or their parent wants them to do. Yeah, the second son, he's lazy and disobedient. He's a lot like me. But the first son, the first son is snarky and disrespectful. 
Okay, so he's like me too, but that's not really the point. The point is that we're right to want to be like the first son. Because the first son is different than his brother. There's something different about him. And verse 29 tells us what this is. Verse 29 says that the first son changed his mind and went and did what he was asked to do. He changed his mind. Now, nerd moment alert. The Greek word here, because Matthew is written in Greek, the Greek word here is metamiamai. Metamiamai, changed his mind. There are three things that you need to know about metamiamai in order to really make sense of this parable. The first is metamiamai is a very rare word. It happens six times in all of scripture, and two of those times are right here in this story. So it's a, it's a pretty rare word, and we'll come back to why that's important in a minute. The second thing you need to know about metamiamai is it conveys the idea of repentance. Now, today, we're familiar with the idea of being sorry or asking for forgiveness, but repentance, biblical repentance, is actually a little stronger a concept than just saying you're sorry. To repent means to turn your mind, to change your life. Right? It's not, oh, I'm walking this way, and I bump into someone, and I say I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Repentance is when you're walking this way and you bump into someone and you say that you're sorry and you realize, oh, I'm going the wrong direction. Let me turn around and change my life and start walking the other direction. That's what repentance is. Repentance is change. It's life change. It's transformation. The first son here, he's not just sorry that he didn't listen to his dad. He is changing who he is so that he can listen to what his dad asked him to do. He's repenting. And the third thing we need to know about metamiamai is that while it's conveying this idea of repentance, it's actually a really strong form of repentance. It's emotional repentance. It's intense. It's remorseful. This isn't your standard Hollywood, oh, I had a change of heart. I'm going to go do this other thing. No, no, this is serious. This is doing a 180 with your life. This is Ebenezer Scrooge at the end of Christmas Carol. This is Darth Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi. You become a totally different person because of repentance. 180. And so I actually want to amend the big idea of our parable this morning. Because the father... He's not, interest, he's not really interested in his sons working in the vineyard. He's not really interested in their initial reaction. He's actually interested in how they respond to their disobedience. He wants them to repent. My mom wanted me to repent. Jesus wants the religious leaders to repent. And so we need to amend our big idea, the big idea we put up on the screen earlier. Because the big idea, the key lesson of this parable is really that doing matters more than saying, but real repenting is the most important doing of all. Doing matters more than saying, but real repenting, repentance, is the thing that matters most. 
Yes, Jesus wants you to listen to the rules that the scripture, ha- scripture has for you. He wants you to follow through when you say something. Absolutely. But more important than living your life according to a set of expectations and rules, Jesus wants you to repent when you mess up. That's what it means to follow him. That's the message here for you this morning. When you mess up, Jesus wants you to repent. Real repenting is the doing that matters most. Jesus doesn't need you to be perfect. He just wants you to repent. A few years after my mom blasted me with the parable of the two sons, I faced a choice to really repent or not. Uh, When I was younger, I was uh, very angry and violent sort of kid. I would lash out a lot. And uh, one time I lashed out and I hit my brother Noah in the head with a baseball bat. And I don't mean a wiffle ball bat. I don't mean one of those little wooden ones you get from the ballpark. I don't mean a foam cover one. I mean a metal baseball bat. And he went to the hospital. And as I was in the hospital, waiting to hear what was going on, not sure if my brother was going to be okay or not, I remember this wave of realization washing over me that I needed to change. That I could not be this angry, violent person anymore. I needed to change my mind. I needed to change my life. I needed to repent. And I walked into the hospital room where he was, and I got down, and with tears in my eyes, I said how sorry I was, and I promised no. I said, I'm not going to be this way anymore. What about you? What are you going to do when you find yourself in a situation where you need to repent, where you need to change? Are you going to be the son who feels really bad in the hospital room and then walks out those doors and goes and does your own thing? Or are you going to be the son who repents and follows through with that repentance? Which son are you going to be when you need to change? Think with me here. Uh, When was the last time uh, at work, at school, on your drive here to church this morning, when was the last time that you did something wrong and you didn't care that it was wrong? You need to repent of that. When's the last time you signed up for something or said you would do something or promised a friend this, that, or the other and then didn't do it? You need to repent of that. What are you doing in your life? What's going on right now? You know it's wrong, but it feels so good. It feels so right. What are you doing that you need to repent of? Which son are you going to be? Now, I've actually got bad news for you on this because each of us, every one of us, from the littlest in here, to the oldest, we all live like the unrepentant second son. Each of us, no matter our religious background, no matter how strong our willpower, 
No matter what we think we can do or how smart we think we are, all of us live like the second son. Now, maybe there, you have a few moments in your life, you have those, those moments where you are the first son and you repent and you do the right thing, but most of us spend most of our time living like the unrepentant second son. I know I do. I know what I'm supposed to do and I still don't do it. Like this week when I yelled at my daughter or when I talked about Pastor Matt behind his back. When I got feedback from a friend and dismissed it because I thought I was smarter than him and knew better. When I laid on the couch instead of helping my wife like she asked. All week, I was a sinful, unrepentant second son. And while your sins, the things you struggle with, they may be different than mine, all of us act this way. All of us live like the unrepentant second son. We know what we're supposed to do. We say we're going to do it, and we don't follow through. But that bad news isn't the end of the story. To explain what I mean, I actually want to look at a couple other passages in Matthew this morning. You see, we're looking at the parable of the two sons, but to really understand the parable of the two sons, to really understand what it means for us today, we actually need to look at a couple other things in Matthew. <laughs> the past several weeks, Pastor Matt and Pastor Jeremy and I, we've talked a lot about this thing called context. Context is the stuff surrounding Scripture that helps you understand what Scripture is. It's the theology and the history, the archaeology, the stuff that happens right before a parable and the stuff that happens right after. But there's another kind of context that's worth paying attention to, and it's what scholars call wider literary context. It's the stuff that happens in the rest of the book that helps make sense of the thing you're looking at. Now, we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew today, and there's a lot in the Gospel of Matthew on repentance, more than we have time to cover this morning. But there is one thing that Matthew talks about that I think is really important for helping us understand our parable. Because there's a place where Matthew talks about two characters in his gospel as if they are the two sons of this parable. And that is when he talks about Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas were two disciples of Jesus, two of the men who followed him around for three years as he was preaching and healing and teaching in, in parables. And we, today, we have very distinct opinions about Peter and Judas. Peter's a, not, he's not perfect, but he's a pretty good guy. He was a leader of the disciples. Uh, the Catholics view him as the first pope. But Judas, Judas is scum because he betrayed Jesus to death. But as Matthew talks about Peter and Judas, he actually doesn't talk about them like they're the future pope and like he's scum. He actually talks about them as if Peter and Judas are the two sons in our parable. Let me show you what I mean. In Matthew 26, we see this about Judas. Then one of the twelve whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. This is Judas, one of Jesus' followers, saying no. He's been given the opportunity to do the right thing, and he says, nope, not going to do it. 
A few verses later, Peter. Then Jesus said to his disciples, you will, fall, you will all fall away because of me this night. And Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, Jesus, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. But Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. This is Peter saying yes. Jesus has asked him to do something. He's like, absolutely, Jesus. I will not fail you. Even if I have to die, I'm going to follow through. And then, just a few verses later, with that set up, this. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath, I don't know the man. And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then Peter began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is Peter. This is the disciple. This is the son who has said he will do what is asked of him, but fails to follow through. Peter is the second son in our parable, which sets up the contrast that happens just a few verses after this with Judas. Then when Judas, Jesus' betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Do you remember that obscure Greek word we were talking about earlier, metamiamai, the one that happened six times in Scripture? Here it is again. Judas changed his mind. You see, this isn't actually Judas having second thoughts. This is Judas emotionally and truly repenting. Judas is the first son from our parable. He is undone by what he's done to Jesus. He sees what happens and he truly repents. And he goes, and he goes to the chief priests, and he asks for forgiveness, which, by the way, according to the Old Testament, is the exact thing you're supposed to do when you need to repent. Matthew is really clear. Judas, not Peter, Judas, is the one who is repenting in the way that our parable tells us to repent. Now, some of you are sitting here and you're going, hey, what about all the other stuff that happens to Judas later? I would be happy to explain that to you after service. But right now, our question is, why, what does Peter and Judas have to do with this parable and what does it have to do with us? Because this rooftop, this is the good news for this morning. The news that no matter what you've done, 
no matter where you've screwed up, no matter how bad things have been in your past, Jesus will forgive you if you repent. Even Judas, even the man who literally betrays Jesus to death, can be forgiven because he repented. This is good news. This is the model for us. This is what 1 John says, too. To paraphrase 1 John, if we repent, God is faithful and just and will forgive us. No matter how much we've sinned, no matter how much we've screwed up, if we repent, Jesus will forgive you. Guys, this is actually why I like this parable, even though I put it, struggle to put it into practice. Yes, there's a warning here, a warning we need to pay very careful attention to. Doing matters more than saying. So don't say and believe vapid, expressionless things that just sound good and make you feel better. But there's also an amazing example of grace here. That even when we sin, even when we screw up, even when we do terrible, miserable things, we have the chance to follow a God who loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us so that we can live forever if we repent, if we change our minds, if we turn and stop walking this way and start walking the way we're supposed to. And so if you're here this morning, repent. Repent before Jesus. I can't stand up here and make you repent. Only you can follow the leading of the Holy Spirit this morning and make the decision to change your mind and make the decision to repent. So do it. Cry out to God in prayer. Call on him. Say that you are sorry, repent of your sins, and follow Jesus. Leave your sin and your selfishness behind. Follow the example of the first son. Change your mind. Don't risk hell and judgment because you're being the disobedient, unrepentant son. If you're here this morning, God has a clear message for you. Repent and follow Jesus. That's what you need to do. That's what we need to do. Because doing matters more than saying. And real repenting is the do, doing that matters most. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, into our sinful, broken world to save us, us unrepentant sinners. God, thanks for not abandoning us, but for sending your son to make the ultimate sacrifice, to die so that we can live. Lord, help us to take seriously the message of this parable. Help us to recognize, help us to live the truth that doing matters more than saying. And help us to make repentance true repentance, true life change, part of who we are. <laughs> Father, too often I act like my mistakes don't matter to you, but that's not right. 
help me, help us follow the first son's example and to live lives of repentance. Lord, help everyone who's here this morning. Help us to throw off our sin and to follow your son, Jesus. The son who offers us life, who offers us freedom, who offers us hope, even when we're unrepentant. And it's in his name, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we ask these things. And it's by the power of your Holy Spirit that we trust they will happen. Amen.